Hey, buddy, you there? I'm here. Yeah, all right. It worked this. Yay. Oh, that. No, that's all right. All right, ready to go? Sure. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the end of the year edition of On the Volley with Jerry and Matt. Matt, how are you, buddy? My voice is finally coming back after that heartbreaking loss yesterday. Yeah, that, you know, I honestly thought that Utica was going to pull out that game, but here's the thing, we have a lot to go over, so we'll get into that game during our analysis, so why don't we start with the recap of the weekend, because there were six games this weekend in total. Oh, there was, I mean, there was a lot of games. Um, Yeah, like I said, six in total. Well, that that was on Saturday. Um, We didn't even, we were. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, eight in total if you combine Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, and then we've got two from Friday and one on Thursday, so we'll get right into it. So Thursday, we recorded, and it was going on during the um, Dallas-Mesquite game. Yeah. And And if you remember, you called me after our three hours and said, was the game close? Yeah, I I was. No. I I was. I watched that game after I got off the phone with you. And when you said that, really, I thought, well, maybe it wasn't so bad. And then I watched the game. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, Mesquite pulled out the 7-2 the to two victory. Um, Dallas had a slow first half. I think they picked up steam in the second half. But, I, I mean, it oh, was yeah. too little too late. You know, I said this to you several times during the course of the year, and I'll say it again. Dallas is probably one of the most confusing teams in the MSL because they have these moments where they show moments of brilliance, and you're like, okay, they could actually be a halfway decent team. And then they go out and lose games like they did against Mesquite, and you're like, well, maybe not, type of thing, you know, and it's not for lack of talent. I think they have the talent. I just think they can't put it together on a consistent basis, really. You know, it's kind of funny. Dallas, I kind of see as being that, like, team in the Western Conference, and in the Eastern Conference, I see St. Louis doing the same thing. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I mean we, do, do you want to go over the next game Dallas had, considering we're, we're already talking about I mean, about yeah, yeah, I mean, we can do that All for right. sure. So, so then, the next, then the next night, was it the next night? Yeah, it was the next night, Dallas versus yeah, Monterey. Well, and to be honest with you, this honestly illustrates my point perfectly because you go out and lay an egg seven to two, and then you have a team that's undefeated in Monterey come to Dallas, and Monterey pulls out the win in overtime, and it almost goes to a shootout. So, I mean, again, I think this is probably one of the most inconsistent teams in that Western Cup. 
Yeah, I I actually was listening to this game on the way home from Utica Harrisburg, and I thought yeah. I thought Dallas was going to pull it out. I mean, Freddie Mugen scored the 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 tying goal, and they had all the momentum going into overtime. But Monterey outshot yeah. Dallas four to nothing, and they came away with the four to three win. Well, in in a way, it's you feel bad for Dallas, but in a way you think about it and you look at this Monterey team and you just keep saying to yourself, hey, they keep finding a way to get it done. And, you know, that's what, honestly, that's what championship teams do. And you might think I'm crazy for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I honestly think that this Monterey team is better than what we saw last season. And that's that's without Frank tying and Uzi tying. Well, it's tough for me to agree with you right now. I mean, right. they've played Sonora twice, they've played Mesquite once, and they've played Dallas three times. So, I mean... But again, but again, I mean, you look at this Sonora team, and that's another team you could say, Hey, you know, sometimes they play really good soccer and sometimes they don't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold off on Monterey. Like we, I need to see them play San Diego and Ontario. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But I mean, I right mean, now, I, right now they're they're winning games they're supposed to win, and that right. that's good. And that's what we said is they they. If you want to be a successful team in this league, you have to win the games that you're supposed to and sprinkle in some games that you, maybe you're not supposed to win. Right. Now, I'm not saying that they're not supposed to win against San Diego. I think they're perfectly capable of beating San Diego. I think, honestly, I think Monterey can beat anybody in this league on, on the right day. But Absolutely. You know, but that being said, I, I don't think Monterey is a twenty four and OT. No, no, I don't I don't think so. I know. Yeah. But I mean we'll I sincerely don't we'll we'll see going going forward uh as Monterey's schedule gets tougher, how how they react to those games. Um Now let, let me ask you this. Do you do you look at that game with Dallas as a momentum booster for Dallas because here you are, you go and play at home against Mesquite and you lose seven to two, but then you turn around and almost beat the number one team in the Western Conference. So so do you look at this as a momentum booster or do you look at this as, you know, I don't. I I honestly don't know what to look at this as, because it's it's genuinely confusing to me. I it's it's a case of you don't know what you're going to get, yeah. and that's what bothers me with Dallas is that you don't know if you're going to get the Dallas team that pulls out surprising results because. Let's be honest. Yeah, they almost beat Monterey, but they didn't beat Monterey. So it's a case of okay, you played better than you did against Mesquite, but you still lost. Yeah, I I think 
if I was Dallas, I would build on this. I, I think it definitely is a momentum booster. No, I, um, I completely agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, they don't... Let's see. Let's look. Mesquite on Friday. So, I mean, the, the yeah. momentum, I mean, they're going to have to turn right around and they're going to have to go to Mesquite to, to play the Outlaws um, on Friday. And, you know, what? here's the other thing. You look at Mesquite and, you know, they were able to score goals in that first quarter, but but I would say Dallas, kind, like you said, Dallas kind of had a better second half than they did the first half. So, so it's I don't think Mesquite is a hundred times better than Dallas, but I do think they are a better team. Do I think they're worlds apart? No, I I don't. But you know, like I said, it's just one of those teams that you look at and you say. Well, what am I going to get today? Let's roll the dice. You know, that's basically yeah, what it is. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And actually, Dallas has two games this week. They play uh, at home against Tacoma. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what Dallas brings to the table this week. Um, I would imagine we'll get a, a good effort in both games. We'll just we'll see what happens. Well, and, and I'll be honest with you, towards the end of the episode, one of the questions I'm going to ask you is, in each conference, who is your biggest di- disappointment and who is your biggest surprise? And I got to be honest with you, I think Tacoma is on that list for biggest di- disappointment in the Western well, Conference right now. Th- that that seems like a good segue to go into the next game, um, which is St. Louis versus Tacoma. Um and I'll get back to I'll I'll yeah we'll do St. Louis Tacoma. Um, we had I had an issue with St. Louis, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, but oh, I no, mean, yeah. but St. Louis well, came too. out and and held their ground in the fourth quarter and they pulled off a seven to six win against Tacoma. I mean, here's the thing. But if you watch that game, neither team was really good. I mean, you, you, it's, it's hard for me to say that either team was really good in this game. I mean, St. Louis did what they had to do to win the game, but I can't say they were that much better than Tacoma. If anything, I would say this. I thought Tacoma was very disappointing because I thought with the talent that they have that they would beat St. Louis pretty easily, and that's Nothing against St. Louis. I just don't think that they have the firepower to be up there with Tacoma. That's what I thought going into this game. Obviously, I was completely wrong. I will say this. Tony Walls is playing out of his mind. I I mean, where did this guy come from? I mean, he was out of the league for a couple years. I think the last time he played was with Ontario. Uh, so, yes. I mean, good, good for him that he's playing really well with, with his new team in St. Louis. And I mean, you said this in, in the box as well. I think having Pablo come back is a huge difference maker yeah. as well. 
I mean, the, the one issue that you're always going to have with Pablo is that he's going to get blue cards. He's going to spend time in the sin bin. That's just that's just what you get with Pablo. But but if they can keep him out of the penalty box, he's a really yeah, good absolutely. Um, but yeah, they they found a way to win and uh, Tacoma. I mean. Let's talk about Tacoma's next game. I mean, since we're talking about Tacoma, um, so the next night, you and I both kind of thought the same thing. You, we thought Tacoma was going to go into St. Louis, going to win, and then go to Kansas City, and then they they still were going to win that game. Boy, they did not. Uh, they lost nine to two against the Comets. Well, no, yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing, I. I thought that Kansas City would give them a good run, but I really did not think it was going to be 9-2. to two. And the one guy that I thought was going to be featured most in that game was Leo Gibson, but it turned out that it was actually Ray Lee that was the star of the show no yeah, a lot of those a lot of um, the, the young guys stepped up i mean meisner played really well ray lee played really well so it, it looks like kansas city's got something good going on um i mean you've got a, a veteran player as your coach and you've got a lot of good young players so i see good things coming out of kansas city next season not well, really this season but next. i mean season. i mean here's the thing I told you, if you remember correctly, I told you from the very beginning, I thought Kansas City could be one of those teams that are battling for that fourth spot. And I I still think that if they play the way they're capable of. The problem is, Kansas City is a lot like St. Louis where they're inconsistent. You know, they play great one day, and then they go out and play not so well the next day. And if you're going to be successful, you can't do that, especially against the Milwaukee's and against the, you know, Florida's of the league. Right. It, I, I mean, it, in order for Kansas City to, I mean, Kansas City's going to have to play really, really well against against oh, the, the Milwaukee's and the Florida's. And then you're going to have to have Baltimore and Harrisburg like knock each other down in yeah. order in yeah. order for Kansas City to be in the conversation. So, I mean... But here's, here's the thing. And my argument to that would be that, okay, yes, Baltimore went 2-0 this weekend, but they've looked rather shaky. And we know that Harrisburg has a very difficult schedule. It's not going to be easy. They're not going to continue playing the Lancers the entire season. So if you look at that, you look at that as one of these things where you just said that Baltimore and Harrisburg are going to have to knock each other down. But realistically, that could very well happen. It might. I, I still think, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, I still think it's going to come down to Baltimore and Harrisburg. Um, but Kansas City is a definite yeah. candidate to, to play spoiler. And 
they might I they mean, might sneak in. I would be very surprised if they did, but I mean, looking at the way that Tacoma has played, does it change your mind as far as them fighting for that playoff spot? Because I'll be I'll be honest with you. If you would have told me that they would have gone to St. Louis and lost by one, and then they go out and they lose nine to two to Kansas City. I mean, you're looking at it, you're giving up 11 goals in two games, and you're losing by a combined margin of eight goals in two games. Like, that. that's not going to get it done. It, it's just not. I mean, it. it's still, most teams are about a quarter of the way through the season. I think with Tacoma, they are seven out of 24 games, so a little over a quarter. They're they're yeah. two and five right now. So I mean they've got a lot of work to do. Um, I still I still give them a little bit of hope in the the Western Conference. Um, but I mean they're going to have to hurdle teams like Turlock and Solis de Sonora, yeah. and I, I don't know. I I said I, I said in the box. I said. You could look at probably three three teams for that Western Conference spot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tacoma, Mesquite, absolutely. and and I I still think Soles de Sonora is an option. Well, and I mean, here's the thing, and this is going to be not so popular of an opinion when it comes to Tacoma fans, but I I I really think that a change needs to be done in Tacoma. I think Nick Pereira needs to focus on playing and not coaching. I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but I think if he focuses more on playing rather than coaching, I think you see a different Tacoma team. Because let's face it, and I've said this in previous episodes that we've recorded, I said it's not easy being a player coach in this league. And I'm not saying that Nick's not good at it because he probably is. But right now, Tacoma is really struggling against teams that they probably should not be struggling against. Right. So, I mean, if I look at it, I look at it as would I rather have Nick Pereira, the coach, or would I rather have Nick Pereira, who was the MVP of the league last year, and Maybe my team gets a playoff spot if he focuses on just playing the game. I mean, again, it's just my opinion. I mean, it's, you know, I I don't know his coaching style, but I just think if you focus more on what he does on the field, that it would benefit Tacoma a little more. And again, that's nothing against... Nick whatsoever. I love the guy. I know the guy because he was in Milwaukee, so I know him very well. But it's just, I think he's better suited as a player than a coach. Here's here's what I'm going to say about Tacoma, and I'm kind of going to compare them to what Baltimore went through last week or two weeks ago. Um, I mean, they lost. They lost two games, and a lot of fans are like, "Do we push the panic button?" And 
I said, Baltimore, do not push the panic button. You're still the blast. You still have a very, very good team with a lot of potential. Yeah. And look what they're, they're 500 now. With, with Tacoma, I'm not going to push the button just yet. I'm really, really close to pushing it because, I mean, they're still, I mean, they've played San Diego twice. They've played Ontario once. So, I mean. Yeah, guess what? They lost those games. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, I think this is a rough patch in the road. And I, I disagree with you. I think Nick Pereira is a good fit for them. Um, but I think right now it's just a rough patch. I, I see them, I see them getting out of the rough patch. It may take a little while, but I still see them as a viable candidate for that fourth playoff spot. I, I, I disagree with you there and I'll tell you why, because here's the thing, like you said, they played Ontario, they played San Diego, they lost those games. They're going to play those teams again, right? They're going to play those teams again. They're going to play Silvers again. They're going to play Mesquite. I mean, they're going to play teams that, quite frankly, right now, I think every single team, with maybe the exception of Dallas, could probably beat Tacoma. And, again, it's not a knock on Tacoma. It's just... Right now, I don't see Tacoma being one of those teams that is able to put a good run together, especially when you have a guy in Ontario who has scored, what, 13 goals in his last three games. I mean, it's it's incredible what Ty is doing in Ontario right now. And, you know, you look at this, San Diego team. Yes, they have holes in their team in a couple areas, but it's still San Diego. Hey, buddy. All right, part two. Yeah, part two. Sorry, guys. Matt had trouble with his phone and accidentally got logged out of the place that we do our podcast. So, as I was saying, it's not that I don't like Pereira as a coach. It's just I I look at Tacoma as being one of those teams that is so inconsistent. And I'm not saying that they're not capable of getting back to form. But again, you're looking at the fact that you're playing Ontario again. You're playing San Diego again. You're playing a Solace team who is starting to bring things together. Granted, they lost to San Diego, but they and they beat Ontario the night before. So, yeah. So I, I mean, this this league is so unpredictable right now. I mean, I mean, with with the exception of Rochester, I I think you could have one team go into a game as a huge underdog and they could shock the living daylights out of you. We saw it in the first game between Turlock and San Diego. We saw it in Orlando versus Baltimore. So, I I mean, 
who's yeah, to say Tacoma right. can go into Ontario and, and beat the Fury and then go to San Diego and beat the Sockers? And so, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Do I, do I see it as being probable? No. Is it possible? Anything is possible in this league, like you said. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button quite yet. I just think... You know, right now they're not winning games that they're supposed to win. And as we talked about earlier, that's the difference between a team that is going to make a run in the playoffs and a team that's going to be watching the playoffs come playoff time. Right. But, I mean, like like Dallas, I mean, Tacoma has two games this weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they respond to yeah. what happens. All right. So the next game is going to be Harrisburg versus Rochester. This is the first of two games for both teams. And I thought this game was going to be about a a, a three or four goal game. And it ended up being Harrisburg taking the 10-5 win. 10-5, yep. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, it's if I'm Rochester, it's this point in the season, it's got to be really disheartening where they are. And yeah, they only lost by five. But this is a Harrisburg team that I believe they've seen each other, what, three or four times already this season? That was the fourth meeting. Right. And so you're looking at this and you're thinking, okay, Rochester, you should probably start getting to know your opponent by now. You've played them four times. You should know what they're about. You should know how to score goals. You should know how to defend. And they still lost by five. And we're still seeing them make the same mistakes that they made before. So, I mean, here's the question for you. And I asked you this earlier in the season and you said no. Do you think Rochester is a one or two win team this year, seeing how they've played thus far this year? I still say yes. Um, they, yeah, they got outshot 43-26 to 26 in that game. Um, but they did hold, I mean, they, they were within two or three goals at most, during most of the game. So they, they right. did show some promise. And I they think it's to... only going to get better. I mean, we're going to go into the next game against Baltimore, and we're going to talk about how they got shut out. But they scored five goals against Harrisburg. Do you think, okay, you think they're a one or two win team? Do you think Rochester has the possibility, God forbid, of going 0-24? No, they're not going to go 0-24. I don't think so either. No. Um, I mean, you look at, I, I mean, I compared the, the, the Mississauga team of last year. I mean, I, I kind of see them being in that same boat. Um, there was a team in the MISL, the Pennsylvania Roar, which ended up winning yeah. a game. And they were not very good. Um, and I think they beat no. St. Louis at home or something like that. So it right. is possible, and I still think Rochester comes away with one or two wins. No, I agree. I mean, I just think 
when you play a team four times, you should know what they're about. You should be, if you lose, you should be losing by maybe one or two goals, not five. I, I, I just, the level of talent that they have right now doesn't impress me in Rochester. And that hurts me to say because I love Soccer Sam. I love what he's done in Rochester. I love the fact that he has been able to bring back the Lancers. I love the fact that they're in the MASL. But I think we need to start seeing some success. And it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be major success. But start putting yourself in positions to win games. That's that's the bottom line. I I don't care if you win the games or not, but at least put yourself in the position to win the games. And right now they're not even they're not even remotely close to that. I mean, yeah, they they lost to Harrisburg ten to five, but then you look at the next day where they lose eleven to nothing and you're thinking you just gave up twenty one goals in two games. Right. And and I, I I'm just gonna say this. Yeah, Baltimore will will seamlessly transition to the next game for Rochester. Gotcha. So yeah, eleven to nothing is obviously a score that no team wants to see, especially the zero. Um, but, I, I mean, they were coming off a back-to-back game. They played really tough against Harrisburg. And they were playing a Baltimore team that was uh, pretty upset, uh, especially after Whoa. the showing from two weeks ago. So that right there yeah. is the formula for uh, a blowout. And I'll be honest with you, people on MASL off the wall are saying, oh, there's trouble in Rochester. No, there's not. I mean, think about this. I'll be honest with you, that scoreline does not surprise me at all. Not at all. You're looking at a team that lost three in a row. You're looking at a team that first lost to Utica in overtime at home. Then you're looking at a team that goes to Florida and gets absolutely annihilated. And then you're looking at a team that goes to Orlando and loses to an 0-5 team. So it doesn't surprise me that Baltimore went into Rochester and absolutely took out all their frustration out on the Lancers. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so, and I mean, we, we have to give a shout-out to William Benzella for setting oh, absolutely. The, the record for most shutouts uh, in a career with 10, uh, surpassing Victor Noguera and Jamie Swanner. Um, so that's, I mean, that's awesome. Um, I, I have to say this, and it's nothing against Blast fans, but for those of you that are saying, oh, it's not the same William that we're used to seeing, I bet you still aren't saying that now because he just posted it shut up. I mean, come on. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous what fans were saying after they lost three in a row. It it was and you and you said it best, and I said it best. Don't hit the petting button. And 
you know, for Baltimore, like you said, they are the Baltimore blessed. They will be fine. Do I, did I think that they were going to win both of those games? Absolutely not. But I mean, hey, you know, like you said, shout out to William. He is probably one of the best goalkeepers that we've ever seen, which is hard for me to say because Victor Nigero was one of my best friends. When he was with the Waves, he was absolutely phenomenal. Jamie Swatter, I'm good friends with him as well from St. Louis. I mean, the guy was just amazing as well. So to be in that company is just, I, I don't think you can say enough about that accomplishment. But again, it's just, I expected Rochester to, to get at least one or two goals. Well, yeah, un- unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't happen. And and with like we said, with Baltimore, it's we know, you know what you're getting yourselves into. And I think that trip to Florida was a rude awakening for the blast. And and oh, we'll absolutely. go into the second. We'll go into the second game a little later. But going back to Harrisburg, um, so they played the next night as well, and they played Utica City, um, and Utica came out on top 10-6. Yeah, and you know, that was truly a game that wasn't as close as the scoreline says it was. Um, You know, we look at what Jake Schindler and what Segura was able to do in that game, and it was, I swear to you, Segura had the goal of the year. You know, the guy is just Incredible, and you know, in the beginning of the season, we we said, you know, how is Segura going to do coming over to Utica? Well, we definitely have our answer. And the funny thing is, if you really think about it, Segura could have easily been a member of the Milwaukee Wave had the trade for Max Ferdinand went through, which yeah. is. It really puts a bad taste in my mouth, to be honest with you, because I, coming from a guy that put Max on his fantasy team, obviously you love the fact that Max is in Milwaukee because he did do a big favor this week. But that being said, I, I don't think anybody expected Segura to do what he's done thus far in Utica. I I can honestly say I did not think he was going to produce as much as he has in the first, what is it, seven games now? Uh, Yeah, yep, they played seven. Well, I I have to, I'm going to toot my own horn here because... Of course you are. I wouldn't expect anything less. Because you know that... I know a lot of people were, and especially Utica fans, were kind of looking at this trade like, why are they doing this? This is ridiculous. And then they look at the stats from Christian Segura, and they're like, oh, well, he only scored six goals last season. And and I told Utica fans, I said, listen, you're going to get a great player in Christian Segura. Just give it time. And he's already exceeded his goal total from last season. And we're not even a quarter of the way through the season well, Exactly, and I think, here's the thing. Yeah, he came over from San Diego, 
So, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that, well, he only had six goals last season. Look at the people around him that were scoring goals. It's not like he had a lot of opportunities to score goals. Whereas in Utica, I think he has more opportunities to score. And to his credit, he's taken advantage. And I mean, on, on the flip side of this coin, Slob is really starting to put his name on the San Diego map, for sure. I mean, he's done phenomenally phenomenally well for San Diego in the last few games. Um, So, again, we talked about this in our last session. We both said it's worked out really well for both teams. And, you know, getting back to the game against Harrisburg, like I said, I don't don't think that scoreline genuinely told the story of the game. I think Utica dominated that game for all except for one quarter, really. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Utica outplayed Harrisburg the entire game. Um, and like I said, Christian Segura with a two goals, four assists. Ricardo Diegas with a, a couple goals. Jake Schindler with a couple goals. It was a team effort, and it's really good to see. Um, you're starting to see, like, there's there's the main line that that Utica has with Bo Yelovac, Liam Callahan, Nate Bordeaux, uh, front. But now you've got Christian Segura, Moises Gonzalez, and Ricardo Diegas as that like second line, and they're starting to produce. Well, it's interesting because when I look at Utica, to be honest with you, Utica reminds me a lot of. San Diego. I think Utica is the San Diego of the Eastern Conference. I mean, you look at that roster and they just have talent up and down that roster and you could probably say the the same thing for the Wave. I mean, it's just and but the, the difference between the talent that Milwaukee has and the talent that Utica has is that Utica has come together more faster than what I expected. That's what I was trying to yeah, say. You're and, absolutely right. And part of that is I I think the fact that Robert Renault and Andre Kane are not in the lineup for Milwaukee really hurts Milwaukee. And then you add in Derek Huffman, you add in um What's his name? Uh, Alvarez. Uh, Alvarez, thank you. And there's a possibility that we could get uh, Sliwa from Orlando. So, I mean, it, it's... You know, I'll, I'll get into that more when we talk about Milwaukee. But that whole Sliwa thing is really interesting. And there's another player that we might get. I just don't know who it is because Milwaukee has been really tight-lipped about who it could be. I mean, it might not even be from Orlando. I have no idea. The organization has been really quiet about it, so none of us know, but there's a rumor out there that 
somebody else is coming to Milwaukee too. Hmm. Oh, maybe it's Landon Donovan. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it's Landon Donovan. You'd be excited. I would not actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and that's the same with Utica. We still have Diego Zuniga. That's not not playing due to visa issues. We have Mauricio Salas still on the active roster. Not sure of his status. Um, another signing that Utica was supposed to make like weeks ago. Haven't made the announcement yet. So, I mean, these teams are hopefully by the end of the season will be 100% and we'll be able yeah. to see like Robert Renault and Andre Hain and Diego Zuniga. And I think, you know, one of the things we really need to talk about is something that you and I have talked about off the episode, but, you know, this this visa issue is getting out of control for this league, and uh, I, I do want to bring that up towards the end, because I, I do think that's a big issue, and I don't think it's fair to these players who are just trying to play a game, but they can't because they're not able to get the logistics taken care of, and not only is it hurting them, but it's hurting their teams as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think Utica did really well in that game. I think you saw a Utica team that really dominated. Um, credit to Harrisburg for kind of making a game of it, but uh, I'll be honest with you, when we recorded, I sent to you, I said, I think this is going to be a really close game just because, you know, the last time those teams played, it was a 4-3 game, and it was nowhere near close. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was going to be around a three-goal game just because between these two teams, like, Utica's always had Harrisburg's number, and, and I just I, – I saw um, – I mean, their, their last game was against – it was the overtime win against Baltimore. And and yeah. so they had a lot of momentum and a week off going into that game. And right, they, right. they came out and played a great game of soccer. It was a it was a huge team effort, I think. But I mean, if you watch that game though, you look at it and every time Utica scored it seemed like Harrisburg had the answer. And it was just like Okay, which which way is this game going to go? And, yeah. then, and then Utica just took it to another level, and they really showed what that team is all about. So, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I I talked to Ryan Hall after the game, and and he goes, "Yeah, we uh we gave them every chance to win that game." No, and they they really did. I I remember when it was. A two-goal game, I'm thinking, wow, Harrisburg might actually claw their way back. And then I think Utica went on a two-goal run to end the game, and that was it. But, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty win by any means. I mean, there were great goals scored, but as far as just... You know, a complete domination. I, I, I think for Utica, you look at this game as, yeah, we won. We did what we're supposed to do, but we gotta get better defensively. 
And yeah. I, I think you'll see them do that as the year goes on. Well, I mean, you, you saw in the next game another sleep, sleepless, oh, another yeah. seamless transition into uh, the Sunday game between Utica and Baltimore. Um, I, I was really disappointed in this game, to be honest with you, just because I, I thought Utica was going to pull this game out. I really did. I thought they played really well. And, you know, credit to Baltimore. We've said this before, and I will reiterate it. It's the Baltimore Blast. You know, they went from having a three-game losing streak to going perfect on the weekend to scoring. Well, what was it like? I believe that final was eight to seven, right? Which one? What was the final against uh, Utica? I don't oh, know. five four. Okay, so it was you six, know, they, so they scored sixteen goals in two games. Right, exactly, and and that that's the Baltimore Blast. We know that they can put up crazy amount of goals when they want to, and, and quite frankly, they did. And if I'm Utica, I'm looking at this as we lost, but we're still the better team. I'm I'm still convinced that Utica is a better team than Baltimore. But I, I will say this. I, I think the teams are so well matched that if you see each other in the playoffs, I, I think you might as well bring a whole bottle of Pepto-Bismol because you're going to need it with that stomach ache you're going to have during that game. I mean, uh, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean... I I had one. <laughs> I mean, uh, that game came down to mistakes. A oh, lot yeah. of a, a lot of mistakes were made on both sides of the ball, and it just so happens the yeah. goal in overtime was the biggest mistake. The biggest of all. mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree with you. So and... I, I mean we. We all saw, I saw this coming. I knew it was going to be a one-goal game. I just had a feeling it was going to come down to the wire. And I well, kind of got nervous towards the end with like two and a half minutes left. And they didn't put in the sixth attacker. And I'm like, what is going on? Luckily, luckily uh, Moises Gonzalez scored the, the game-tying goal. Ended up going to overtime. And we all know what happened. Well, and I mean, here's the thing. I mean, one of the stats that I pointed out in our last episode was, if you look at now three out of four of these games, they've all been decided by by one margin of one game. So it's no surprise that this game was decided by one goal. Yeah, and that other and that other game, that other game was by two goals. Yeah, it was four to two. Right. And if you think about it, this is the second time in four meetings that these two teams have gone to overtime. So it's incredible how well matched they are. Yeah, I mean you're. When you get a Baltimore-Utica game, it's always going to be one of those, like, classic, like, they're going to leave everything on the table, and that's, right. that's exactly and what you, happened. 
And I will say this, I'll, I'll be honest with you, if if I'm a Utica fan and I know I have to face Baltimore in the playoffs, I don't care if I have Obasi, I don't care if I have, you know, Schindler, I don't care who I have on my team. If I'm facing the Baltimore Blast in the playoffs, there's a difference between regular season Baltimore Blast and playoff Baltimore Blast. So if Utica sees Baltimore in the playoffs, that's going to be a hell of a series. Absolutely. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what transpires. And, and I mean, these two teams don't play the rest of the regular season, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, but Baltimore's yeah. schedule does get more difficult. Um, they play San Diego twice. They'll still have to play Milwaukee. I, I mean, and they'll also have to play Harrisburg a bunch of times. So, And, you know, we discussed this many times. Utica's schedule is pretty soft. So, Yeah, I mean, you could kind of, what, like, the, the games against Soleil State Sonora, um, I think, will be more difficult than what we originally thought. But still, I mean, you've got two games against Dallas. You've got one against Mesquite, three against St. Louis, uh, still three games against Rochester. So, yeah, it's a little easier than Baltimore's. So we'll see how that determines the seeding going into the playoffs. Well, and you know, here's the other thing. Here's my question for you. Um, you know, knowing what you know and knowing what the Blast are capable of, if Utica gets the number one seed, which they won't because Milwaukee will. But anyway, if Utica does get the number one seed, do you still pick Baltimore to play first? It's tough. I mean, it depends on matchups and how well the other playoff teams are doing going into the playoffs. Because I can tell you this. If if Milwaukee gets that number one seed, and I know that Utica is right there, I'm taking Utica first. Without a doubt. Because I would rather get rid of Utica first than play Baltimore first because, you know, I I truly think that Milwaukee's better than Baltimore. I think that Utica is better than Baltimore. But that being said, we all know who the Blast are. We all know what they're capable of in the playoffs. So... The only reason that I would take them first is because I would rather take them before they get into playoff form rather than wait for them to get into playoff form and then have to play them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting. The last game of the season for Utica is against Milwaukee at home. So, I mean, by, by this point, we'll have playoff pictures all situated and stuff like that. So, yeah. We'll we'll see what happens, but I mean, if I if I was Utica playing Baltimore in the first round, I think if they beat Baltimore, that would be like the hugest morale boost you could possibly imagine. Because for those guys, it's always been you can't get past Baltimore, past Baltimore in the playoffs. You can beat them in the regular season. 
you can't beat them in the playoffs, though. But but to be fair, you didn't get past Milwaukee either. So really, doesn't it become kind of a lose-lose situation? Because if you're not playing Baltimore, you're probably playing Milwaukee. Well, I mean, I'm talking like recently in the playoffs. Like Utica and Milwaukee haven't played in the playoffs. And no, I understand that, but I'll be honest with you. I think Milwaukee is more dangerous than Baltimore. You just well, yeah. I don't know. I I think any any playoff team, and I'm I'm going to say this for both conferences. I'm going to say any playoff team is going to be a tough out. Every playoff team is going oh, to be amazing. Absolutely. So going into the playoffs, it's all going to boil down to who is who's injured, who has lost two out of the last three right. games, stuff like that. Well, absolutely. It's all about analytics at that point. But like I said, if I was Utica and, and Baltimore was the four seed, I would take Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about your game that you watched, uh, Milwaukee versus Florida. And I'm assuming you want me to take the lead on this well, one. They're, they're, they're your team. I mean, I listened to the game on the way to Utica. So I listened to a little bit of it. And it was like five, well, it was like five to one. But then Florida made quite the, quite the comeback, which was good. Well, and I mean, you know, here's the thing. If I'm a Milwaukee fan, which I am, um, you know, it worries me a little bit that we have a 5-1 lead and then we give up a plethora of goals to make it a game again because that's not something that you're going to be able to do come playoff time. It's just, it's just not. We have to be better defensively. I, I've said from day one, Milwaukee is capable of scoring goals. We know this. We know that they have offensive firepower. The thing that is going to separate whether or not they win or lose the championship this season is if they can be just as good defensively as they were last season. Right now, I just don't see that with this this year's Milwaukee Wave team, and that worries me, but again, I think it's something that you have to kind of put an asterisk by, because you don't have a Robert Renault, you don't have an Andre Haynes, Derek Hoffman did not play, Alvarez did not play, so I mean, you didn't have four guys that could greatly make a difference in your team. And I think once you see those guys play, it's going to make a difference. And I think the wave is a lot like a a lot of these teams at the beginning of the season where they're winning games, but they're not where they need to be yet. Do I think we'll be fine later on in the season? I hope so. I don't know. Um... You know, it worries me a little bit about what I told you about our situation with the goalkeeping situation. 
Um, that worries me a little bit just because of how well Rafa is doing. I don't know whether or not that is true. I hope it's not true because Rafa is second in the league in save percentage. He's in the top of, well, not the top, but he's one of the top goalkeepers for wins. He's one of the top goalkeepers in basically every category. So to lose him would be heartbreaking for the way right now. But that being said, let me me ask you this. Were you surprised when I told you that there was a possibility that we could pick up Sliwa? Well, of course. I mean, you've got... Um, uh, two amazing backup keepers in, in Isold and, and Zabios. So going out and grabbing another goalkeeper, it just, it confuses me. And, and it still does. Um, well, I I think it comes down to if we do win again, I, I, I'm not going to confirm or deny anything because I don't know. That being said, I think the one reason that we would sign Sliwa would be because of experience. Because you have Icehold who hasn't had much playing experience. You have, uh, I believe his, I can't even remember his name, Zabalos, I think his name is, yeah? Yep. He doesn't have very much experience, so... I think the reasoning behind signing Sliwa, if we do, would be because Sliwa has experience. And, you know, here's the thing about Sliwa. I'm not crazy about him. He doesn't make the big saves that he needs to. That being said, I think any goalkeeper can be a good goalkeeper if they're behind a good defense. If I, but on the flip side of that, I look at this as if I'm a Florida team, I'm a little worried with as many injuries as I have right now. Because you you don't have Gordy Gerson. You just lost Ricardinho. I think there's more on that list. I can't remember all who, but I know they have quite a few injuries on their roster. Yeah, I mean, injuries are a part of the sport, and oh, and, and last year I could probably make an excuse as to why Utica didn't win over Baltimore in the playoffs because they had a bunch of injuries going into that game. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's next man up. I mean, that's why a key to a championship team is depth, and I think the the big teams have that. I think Florida has it. I think Milwaukee has it. I think Utica has it. And on the other well, side, I think San Diego has it. I think Monterey has it. So, and all of these teams are playoff caliber teams. So well, if, if yeah. one person goes down, you've got to get someone else up up to speed, get them in that position and, and have them going at, at the, the same rate. And well, and I, I say this kind of comically, but not really. I mean, if I'm Florida, now is the point that I'm glad that I signed 12 people. Like, 
Because now, if I have an injury, I know I could put somebody else in there that is going to fill that person's shoes. And I know that's funny to say, but like, don't get me wrong, right? I think it's heartbreaking to hear that Ricardinho went down because he, you know, he's he was really starting to make a difference in Florida. I mean, if you look at the game against Milwaukee, he had the assist that beat us in Milwaukee. So to have him go down and you look at the situation with Gordy Gerson, it reminds me a lot of the situation with Tenzin Rapa. Tenzin got hurt on a goal celebration as well, and that's how Gordy got hurt. So it it was kind of ironic that that's how Gordy got hurt. But no, I you know I think Florida will be fine. I I think they'll be fine. And quite frankly, if I'm Florida, I I look at the game against Milwaukee and say, well, we didn't win, but we almost got there. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it it'll be interesting to see what what both teams do going forward. Um, I think Florida will be fine, um, even with the loss of Ricardinho um, and Gordy Gerson. I'm not even sure how bad Gordy Gerson's hurt. Um, he's well yeah, enough through pretty much everything, so wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that those those two games we just talked about we could be talking about in April. Oh, and that's good. That's going to be fun for me. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. All right. So let's see. We did that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. Okay. So um, did we go over we haven't gone over Ontario versus Sonora yet, right? No, we have not. And let me tell you what. If I'm Ontario, <laughs> I'm really angry about that game. I, I'll tell you that right now. Um, you know, to be up six to three and lose the game is kind of inexcusable. I mean, credit to Sonora for coming back the way that they did. But I will say this, and I was talking to Adam about this as well, and we both agreed that this was probably one of the worst games that we saw Chris Tolt play. I mean, he was letting goals go by that you would never think that Chris Tolt would let go by. And I, I think, I'm not going to say that was the reason that they lost, but it certainly did not help. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I think be, being a goalie, myself i've had i've had games where uh, i've had a bad day i mean i let balls go by me that normally wouldn't wouldn't happen so and i think that's what chris toth happened to have as a, a bad right. game and, and uh, give credit to sonora i mean a lot of people were saying well they're not really i mean they lost to turlock um and going into Ontario, after Ontario beat uh, Tacoma, yeah, then, no, I agree. I mean, beat Turlock eight to three, so they had a lot of momentum going into that game. So a lot well, of people it, were saying, "Well, it's Sole State Sonora; they're not gonna, 
they're not going to do as well. Well, they they sure did. I mean, they pulled out the eight seven victory. Well, and I mean, here's here's the thing. Going back to Chris Jones for one second, I think one of the problems is he expected that defense to be a lot better than what it was. And I think if you're a goalkeeper, you have to assume that your your defense is going to have your back. And unfortunately, Ontario's defense in that game was pretty atrocious. I mean, you look at that game, they they were up 6-3 to at one point. So, and at that point, uh, Frank Tchaikov already had a hat trick. So, you know, I thought going into that second half, there's no way Sonora comes back. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates opened and here we go. Yeah, they you know? they outscored they outscored Ontario four to one in that second half. Yeah. So I mean that that's that's the difference right there. And well, and I think for anybody that thought Sonora wasn't going to be a competitive team, well, there's your answer because not only did you compete with Ontario, but you went into San Diego the next night and you know, really competed with them. I mean, yeah, San Diego won the game, but it was a one-goal game. Yeah, I mean, that's, you are getting good at the seamless transition into these other games because the final game is Solace versus San Diego. And I I, I gotta say, I gotta say, I, the game, the the outcome surprised me. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, San Diego surprised you. Surprised you in the sense that you thought it was going to be one-sided. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sonora goes into Ontario facing a Fury team that blew out Turlock a couple weeks ago. So they 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 had to have been super tired going into San Diego. The Sockers on a five-game winning streak with all of that firepower. And well, I thought it was going to be one-sided. Here's the thing. I'm not going to lie, so did I. But the Achilles heel for the last two years for the San Diego Sockers has been they're not very good defensively. The only reason that they stay in games the way that they do is because they have guys that can score goals. But if you're not good defensively, you're going to win games, but they're going to be extremely close. And let me tell you, last night, San Diego was not good defensively at all. They were pretty atrocious, to be honest with you. And, you know, I, I did you watch the game? I don't know if you watched the game. I watched bits and pieces of it. What I felt really interesting is that it was a premeditated move to take out Boris Pardo and put in the backup keeper. To me, that was the changing point of that game. Because I remember Craig Elston and Nate Alvarea talking about it was decided by... um, Phil Salvaggio that um, gosh, for the life of me, I, I know his name, but I can't think of it. I'm, I'm oh, the backup? Uh, Ariaga? 
Thank you, Ariaga. It was a it was a pregame decision that he was going to come in at halftime. And mind you, at that point, San Diego was in control of this game. It wasn't it wasn't close. And San Diego was pretty much in control. And Ariaga comes in, gives up three goals, and Bord, Bord, Boris Pardo comes back. So San Diego wins the game, but it wasn't a pretty win. And don't get me wrong, you're going to have games in the MASL where you win them, but they're not going to look pretty. But if I'm a San Diego fan, yes, we've won six in a row, but we're not looking very good defensively because they didn't look good in their last three games defensively. I mean, yeah, they beat Turlock in Turlock. Still, they did not look good defensively. Then they come home, they play so nice. They did not look good defensively. You know, going into next week, they play Ontario. If they don't look good defensively, they're going to lose that game, and I can guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. I think, I think, in in that second half, uh, especially the fourth quarter, San Diego outscored Sonora five three, and I mean, right, those two goals right there were well, one of them was the difference. So, um, yeah, eight seven victory for San Diego, uh, slot sure. with a couple goals, which kind of like goes back to what we were saying earlier, the Christian Segura trade was it's a win-win for both teams. You know what? Here's the other thing you have to look at, too. I think number one, Soleil just got tired by the end of the game. It was just to the point where they just they didn't have what they needed to have to win that game. And I'm not saying if they were rested, they would have beat San Diego because I don't think they would have. But that being said, I I do think that had something to do with it. And then you add on the fact that, number one, Craig Childs is still injured. He re-aggravated that injury last night. Who knows what shape he's in. Um, You know, then you have the Arya Aga thing, and he comes in, gives up three goals. Credit to San Diego for weathering that storm and being able to win that game. It's just, if I'm San Diego, yes, we're winning games, but it, it's just, it's not pretty, man. And that's, you know, it's, it's not the San Diego team that we're used to seeing where they're dominating games. And that's what worries me if I'm a San Diego soccer fan. Yeah, I I agree. Um, San Diego didn't look so good defensively, and I think you've got a new and improved offense. You've got your your special teams working well. Um, your set pieces look better now with the addition of Slavisa. Yeah, um, I, I just think I I think if they tweak things defensively, I think they'll be fine. Um, well, San Diego, if you really think about it, San Diego is the Milwaukee of the Western Conference, right? Where they have all this offensive firepower, but their defense is subpar, but they still manage to win games. 
it, I got to give credit to Rafa Diaz for that and for the wave because, yeah, we only lost or we only won by one goal. But I'll tell you what, if Rafa doesn't make some of the saves that he makes, Florida probably wins that game. And I think if Ariaga doesn't come into that game against Soleil's for San Diego, I don't think it's. I think it's exactly what you predicted to be. I think it's not even close because you take away those three goals and you're looking at eight to four. Yeah, I mean... Well, eight to three, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's it's just a matter of time, I think, with these teams before we see, like, their full potential. Yeah. Yeah, um, because I mean, it's either injuries or visa issues. So, I mean, we're we're getting glimpses of what these teams can do. It's just what's going to no, happen, and, like when Craig Childs comes back and, or when Diego Zuniga comes to play. And so and, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. But so I I had a question for you. So in that game with point two seconds left, we saw a another benches clearing brawl. You know. Here's the thing. I mean, uh, I'll let you ask your question, and then I'll give you my two cents on that because I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I just there's point two seconds left. I mean, what's the point? I, I complete. I agree with you. My question is: Are we going to see the same punishments given out? that were given during the Utica City Harrisburg game. I mean, you're just you're dealing with the MASL, so who knows? But I, I I would certainly hope so because it's it's essentially the same thing. You know, you're still looking at a bench clear brawl. You're still looking at people that were directly involved. So to answer your question, yeah, I, I think you're going to see Punishment? Do I think it'll be the same as it was for Utica Harrisburg? Uh, you know, like I said, you're dealing with the MASL, so I don't know. I mean, you uh, you should. So in that case, it would be, uh, well, one of the guys was already given a red card. The guy that committed the foul was given a red card, so he's out for the next game for Sonora. Sonora. Um, so it's going to be a matter of who came off the bench first for both teams. So we well, should see one red card for each. And you know what? Here's the thing. I'll, I'll be honest with you because I I've I had this situation with my own soccer club when I was coaching club soccer this past session, and we had just won the game, and there was a fight at the end, and I brought them in. I said, "Look." I'm proud of you. We were down three goals. We came back. We won the game. But you just made yourself look like fools because you let yourself get into a fight. You let somebody else get into your head. And I'm sorry. I don't care if you want to defend your teammates or not. You have to consider the games that you have coming up before you start acting like a complete idiot and being part of a brawl. Sorry, but these coaches have to do a better job of controlling what their players do in all situations. I'm, 
I just, I just, I don't know what coaches are thinking when it comes to this stuff. If I, if I these coaches, the, even if, even if they don't get punished for being part of the brawl from the league, if I'm your coach, you're not playing. You know why? Because you should never be a part of it. No. Just, just walk away. It's that simple. Just walk away. And I know people are going to say, well, they were standing up for their teammate. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care. It's one thing to stand up for your teammates. It's another thing to be stupid and possibly put yourself in a position where you don't get to play for one or two games or you get points on your record for fighting. I mean, it's just, and there was 0.2 seconds left. Yep. It was out of, it was completely out of frustration and it was ridiculous. And I, I think the league needs to take this a little more seriously and maybe send out some sort of uh, letter to each owner and say, listen, we're not going to take this anymore because we're trying to get people to come to these games. And this is a, this is a kid oriented sport, it's geared towards the kids. Yeah. What message? What message are you sending when you're sitting there going after other players? Yep, I completely agree. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know but what? I kind of, I kind La- of see the same thing. Last thing about this, I will say this: I guarantee you, one million percent, that's not going to be the last time you see that this season. Guarantee you, we've already seen it twice from four different teams. I guarantee you, you'll see it again. Guaranteed. Yep. Yeah, I, I will agree with you. And and I think the MASL needs to crack down on it and say, listen, we're, we're not going to do this. Well, if, if it yeah. happens again, if it happens again, the the suspensions and the fines are just going to increase. Well, I, I think it comes down to one thing. It comes down to coaches. It comes down to coaches because as a head coach, you are responsible for your team. And, you know, coaches are going to say, well, they're their own people I can't control. Whether or not they go off the bench, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because guess what? If you don't play, you don't get that paycheck for that week. Tell, tell me you don't want that paycheck for a week. No. That, that's it, man. It's just ridiculous, and it's funny that you brought that up because I was watching that last night, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. It's it's crazy. But anyways, okay. So that was the analysis of last week's games. Yep, let's get into picks. All right. So. We'll start with tomorrow. So we've got tomorrow, New Year's Eve. We've got two games. Uh, The first game is Kansas City uh, going to St. Louis to face the ambush. This one's hard for me because you're looking at a St. Louis team who has one, two in a row, and you're looking at a Kansas City team who just, beat a Western Conference team pretty bad. So this one's difficult to call. I'm going to let you do yours first. Okay. Well, 
in my my podcast or my broadcast, my live broadcast, I said the same thing. I said both teams are coming off wins. Um, I looked back at the last game between these two teams in St. Louis, and it went to overtime in which the ambush won. Uh, and the game is being played in St. Louis. So yeah. all of those factors going into play, I'm picking the ambush to win. And I am picking Kansas City. Of course. You just wanted to be on the opposite end. Which no, I, 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 I didn't want to be on the opposite <laughs> end. I just think that if Kansas City plays the way that they did against Tacoma, I don't think it's going to be a close game. Well, at, uh, least, mean, at least one of us will be right. I mean, here's the thing. Well, yes, that is true. But here's the thing. You you look at that game against Tacoma for the ambush, and it was a really close game. And quite frankly, like I said earlier, neither one of the teams played really, really well. So, you know, if St. Louis doesn't play a really good game, I don't think they're better than Kansas City. That being said, St. Louis has won two in a row. So I could see this game going either way. I think Kansas City pulls it out. It very well could be another overtime thriller, but I think Kansas City gets the win. Okay. Well, I think you and I are going to agree on the next game. Uh, We've got Mesquite traveling to Milwaukee to face the Wave. Oh, come on. All right. So you're picking Mesquite. So once again, we are opposite. (laughs) I don't think so, buddy. All right. All right. So you're taking Milwaukee, as am I. I I just think this game is going to be, I mean, it's a New Year's Eve game in Milwaukee uh, against, against a team that's, okay um and could be fighting for that fourth playoff spot but i i think milwaukee is is gonna be uh pulling this one out maybe by two or three goals i'll tell you what the only way that mesquite has a reasonable chance to win this game is if victor league plays the way he did against dallas if he plays the way that he did against dallas Mesquite's going to stay in this game. But I think defensively, Milwaukee is going to be able to contain him to the point where he doesn't make a huge difference for the Outlaws. Right. So we're, we're in agreement with that one. So then we move on to Friday. Um, we've got Rochester versus the Florida Tropics. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think there's any doubt who I'm going to pick for this one. Um, you know, I think Florida is just too good for Rochester. Um, you know, yeah, they're a little banged up, but again, they have guys that can step in and really fill in the voids where they need to. You still have guys like Reagan. You still have guys like Drew Ruggles, Ricardo Carvalho, Carvalho. You know, you still have guys that can score goals. So, to me, 
yeah, you have injuries, but nothing to the extent where I would say, you know what, Rochester is game. Well, fun fact, this will be the first game that I go to where I am not rooting for either team. Yeah. Um, I think Florida's going to win. And I'm only going to base it on the fact Hannah will be there. Don't be surprised if Ricardo Carvalho has a hat trick in this game. I, w- I would not be surprised at all. Uh, I'm um, very excited that, that I will be there watching this game. Um, so I think it's going to be a good game, but I still think Florida's going to win. Here's my question to you. Who does Florida put in goal? Because Petrusek has been playing really well. Well, I, I mean, stay with the hot hand. I, I don't know who else they would have. Um, I mean, Hugo Silva's probably still hurt, so... Yeah, I, I don't would... know. But, okay, so here's the other interesting question. If Petrusek keeps doing well... And yeah, he gave up five goals against Milwaukee, but he made some really, really good saves in that game as well. So if he still continues to do well, and Hugo Silva is healthy, do you start Petrosek over Silva? Absolutely. I, I, I still think, I think you'll see uh, Petrosek in that. Well, it depends because, I mean, their next game is the next night in Baltimore. Well, so exactly. You, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in goal for both games. Uh, Utica did the same thing with Coughlin. I thought, honestly, I thought they would start Perella in the game against well, Harrisburg. You and, and I then, both thought they should have. Yeah. So I, I, I see Petrachek being in goal for both games. No, I... I... And... To his credit, he's done really, really, really well. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, going into that Baltimore game, it's just, I really think, and again, here's my beautiful segue here, but uh, I really think that, you know, going into that Baltimore game, it, it's just, I think they're going to be tired from playing Rochester. Yes, Rochester hasn't won a game, but they're going to play Florida well. They're not going to just give the game away, and I think this could really be a case for Florida where they genuinely take this game against Rochester lightly, knowing full well that the next night you play Baltimore. Um, And I I'm going to say Baltimore in this one. I don't think Florida is going to beat Baltimore. I think you're looking at a Baltimore team who is finally starting to find their rhythm a little bit. You know, they're winners of two in a row. They've scored 16 goals in their last two games. They have the firepower to get past uh, Petrosek and... You know, it really comes down to the if if Florida is able to 
slow down that offense with their defense, then they have a chance to keep it close. But if they let Baltimore get on a roll, it, it's not going to be a close game. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the players on Florida have played in CQ Arena. Like, Joey Tavernisi has played there a bunch. I know Ricardo Carvalho's played there a bunch. Um, so, I mean, they do have experience playing there. No, yeah, I know that. But with, but with that, with that being said, you and I are going to agree on this one. I think Baltimore pulls off the victory. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, but I, I just see Baltimore um, gaining more and more momentum as, as the uh, season goes on. And you know what's very interesting about that is if if Milwaukee wins and Florida loses, that puts Milwaukee in second place. And that would drop Florida down to third. No, they would, if Milwaukee won, they would be in first. Because Utica would have two losses. Florida has two losses. Well, yes, but you got to remember that Utica plays too. No, Utica has the week off. Oh, excuse yes. me, I stand corrected. So, yeah, so that, if Milwaukee that, wins and Florida loses, Milwaukee would have sole possession of first place. That makes with, it really, that makes it really interesting, though, because you know then you're looking at a Florida team that's lost two in a row. I. Granted, I'm not saying it's anything to panic about, but again, you're looking at a team that they really need to keep pace with with Milwaukee and with Utica if they really want to make noise in this conference. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, yeah, this week is, is pretty big. I mean... For, for the top teams, like I said, Utica has the week off, so they can they can relax and, and watch the games. But, yeah, Milwaukee has a chance to be in first place. Florida, Florida has, has a chance to... to... Um, oh, I'm hurting oh, myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Florida has a chance to uh, gain a game on the Eastern Conference. So, it's oh, a big yeah. week for, for all of these playoff contending teams in the East. And you look at Baltimore, and they have a chance to win three in a row. So, I mean, it's there's some really interesting storylines going into this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so going back to Friday, um, I think, well, we did Rochester, Florida, Mesquite versus Dallas in Mesquite. Um. You know, judging by what Mesquite did to Dallas, um, in Dallas, I can't see it being much different in Mesquite. That being said, Dallas, again, we talked about this earlier, who Dallas is one of those teams who you don't know who you're going to get, so... If they play like they did against Monterey, then they have a chance to win the game. If they play like they did against Kansas City, they have a chance to win the game. But again, it comes down to what what version of the Dallas sidekicks are we going to get? 
Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I also went with Mesquite. I, I just think um, playing at home um, in that arena. Um, and I mean, they're, they could be coming off a loss against Milwaukee. So they'll need they'll need a game to to kind of to boost their confidence back up, and I think Dallas is a perfect opponent for that. Um, and I I just see um, Miski winning that game. Oh yeah, and I quite think that they need to win because if you lose to both Milwaukee and Dallas, you're kind of putting yourself in a uh, precarious position because. It's not like you're a team that's above 500 to begin with. Right. I mean, and you can kind of, if if Mesquite lost those two games, you could kind of put that in the same realm as Tacoma losing two games. Right. Recently. Right. Like, Absolutely. So I think for Mesquite, like going one and one will definitely help their chances. Oh, Maybe yeah. not I mean, now, but like that win, that win could help them in that playoff hunt. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah. I completely agree, and that's why I think it's really, really important for them to get a win in Mesquite because I, I just don't see them making a push in Milwaukee. I, it's not. And that's not even because I'm a Wave fan. It's just I think the Wave is just better than the Heat. Oh, yeah. All right. So we've got an interesting matchup, an East-West, uh, Eastern Conference versus Western Conference matchup, where St. Louis travels south of the border to play uh, Sole Ste Sonora. <sighs> you know, here's a case of two teams that really – have surprised me in the last couple of games. Um, you know, yeah, Soleil's lost to San Diego, but they beat, uh, what should we call it? They beat uh, Ontario. Yep. So, and then you're looking at an Edwards team who has won two in a row versus both Kansas City and Tacoma. So, um, you know, this is hard for me to call, but just because it's in Sonora, I'm going to take Sonora. Well, we agree once again. Um, I think th- it, it all goes back to momentum. So who has the most momentum going into this game? Well, Sonora <laughs> lost a close one to San Diego. And St. Louis is going to be possibly losing a game to Kansas City. Even right. if I, I think even if St. Louis were to win that game, I, I still I still think Sonora has the advantage, especially on a smaller field and they're used I to that smaller think, field. I also think they are a better team if I'm going to be completely honest. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I mean you St. Louis, yeah, they have people like Tony Walls, the Duca, St. Louis that could score goals, but I mean, I I just like you said, I I don't see them keeping up with Soleil's on a smaller field. Absolutely. So we both went with Soleil's Day Sonora. So then the next game is going to be 
Kansas City versus Milwaukee in Kansas City. <laughs> you know, again, this, this I'm not going to say this is going to surprise you because I'm going to take Milwaukee, but I'm going to put an asterisk on this one just because Kansas City has been relatively dominant at home this season. And with the way that the Wave has played defensively, that scares me a lot. Because you're looking at a Kansas City team that, you know, in their last home game, they scored nine goals against Tacoma. Who, mind you, went into San Diego and had 16 blocks against the San Diego team. That is a really good offense. So, I mean, I'm going to take Milwaukee, but I would not at all be surprised if Kansas City wins this game. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound more confident in your Milwaukee wave, and I'm going to take them to win. Um, I think over the years, Milwaukee has had Kansas City's number, especially last year in the playoffs. And I don't think the teams have changed that much no they haven't I mean you look at the rosters it's been relatively similar yeah so I I think that's gonna I think that's gonna play a big role in this and it's it it kind of reminds me of like a Utica Harrisburg rivalry where one team has just dominated over another team and I think that continues in this game I see Milwaukee going into Kansas City and getting another victory. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, again, I'm going to take Milwaukee, but you look at the way that Kansas City has played at home this season, and they are a really scary team at home. I mean, I'll be honest with you, if, if Kansas City played the way they did at home on the road, they would be probably the top three in the Eastern Conference. That's how good I think they are at home. I mean, yeah, it was it was a close game when they played St. Louis, but look at the first half. It was five to one when they played St. Louis. Yeah. So I mean it'll be a great game, that's for sure. It always is. Yeah. Um okay. So the next game, I, I know your answer to this, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we have another game between Harrisburg and Rochester in Rochester. Yeah, I, I, I got to take Harrisburg, man. And, and here's the thing. I, I want to say it's going to be close. I really do. But lately, Rochester has not proven to me that they can stay close in games. I mean, yeah, they stayed close for a little bit with Harrisburg last game, but look at the score. It was 10-5. to 5. And then they played the Baltimore team and got shut up. So, I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to say that this game is going to be close. I gotta take Harrisburg and quite frankly it's gonna be a big game for Harrisburg because you know, they're just coming off of uh, loss to Utica. So 
if they want to even remotely keep pace with Milwaukee, Florida, and Baltimore, they, they have to win that game. Absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me if Harrisburg went in and kept Rochester to zero goals. They might there might be a shutout brewing. So is that so let me ask you this. If that is the case, do you do you start to kind of get worried if you're a Rochester fan? Because then you're looking at two games in a row that you would shut up. Well, I mean, not necessarily. They play Florida the night before. Um, as a Lancers fan, I I think you're going to see this this year. Uh, you're going to see, like, one goal, two goals. Right. And, I think, no, yeah. and I think that's going to be, like, par for the course. So, if they yeah, do no, get I, shut out, I mean, it wouldn't – I don't think it would surprise anyone. Um. I mean, I would hope not because, you know, this this will be the fifth time that they play each other. So, again, going back to what I said before, you know, you even though you're playing Florida the night before, you know what you're up against. You know what Harrisburg does. You should be able to put up a good fight. I mean, it, it's it's going to be really rough just because of the fact that they do have to play Florida the night before that. That's kind of brutal, if you ask me. But it it's just a part of the game, and you know it. it it's sad because you look at the goal differential, and it, it's got to be absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I I hope that it's a close game. Um, for for the sake of Lancer fans, but I, I mean, reality is, uh, it'll be tough. Uh, I mean, I mean, they, I'm do, not... they do have the advantage of playing them like five times already this season. So, I mean, I'm all for supporting my team no matter what. Like, I would never say I'm not going to support the Wave, but at some point, you got to give Rochester a reason to support you. And if you're not going to at least put yourself in positions to stay close, why would I support you? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, yeah, it's a work in progress. And I think I think you're seeing that in the attendance totals. I think fans are still showing up because they know it's a work in progress and they're still going to support their team regardless. But are you going to see that later in the year? Absolutely. Uh, like say, like like say, Rochester is zero thirteen. Are you going to see the same attendance numbers that you would if they were, say, I don't know, four and nine, whatever? I think so. I yeah. I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see Rochester in the top six in attendance this season. Yeah, but you know what? I will say this. A lot of that has to do with soccer, Sam. Oh, yeah. A lot of that has to do with soccer, Sam, because if that was any other owner in the league, 
I guarantee you, you would not see people at those games. I guarantee you, if that was any other owner, that people would not support that team. Absolutely right. Okay, so we've got Tacoma traveling to Mesquite to face the Outlaws. Oh, boy. Uh, is that – when is that? Is it how, how long after they played Dallas is that? Uh, the next night. So, wait, they played three games three nights? No, they play Tuesday, they play tomorrow, and then they play Friday, and then they play Saturday. Okay, so they play three games and essentially three days. Yeah, three in like four days, five days. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. With that schedule and with the fact that, you know, Nick Pereira is coming off of two losses that I don't think he should have lost... I'm going to give the nod to Tacoma. Um, I think Mesquite's going to be really, really heavy-legged. I think they're going to be really tired. And I think guys like Adam West and guys like McCluskey and, of course, Nick Pereira and Ron Mowers, they're going to take advantage of that. So I got to give the nod to Tacoma for that one. Well, I'm going to change my pick. Um, kind of looking over, and, and I, I forgot they played on Tuesday. Um, I had Mesquite winning this one, but I'm going to change it to Tacoma because I think you're right. I think, I think they're going to be really tired after playing. This would be their third game in five days. Yeah. Right. Tacoma's got something to prove. They're not a two and five team. No, I, mean, I, I think it's kind of like Baltimore, like I said earlier, Baltimore's rude awakening. Right. So I think I think you're going to see a different Tacoma team coming into the ski uh, to play the Outlaws. So I, I'm going to go with you and say Tacoma as well. You know, it's interesting because if they lose that game to Mesquite. What does that do for the psyche of Tacoma? I mean, yeah, you, you know, Baltimore went through a three-game losing streak as well, but I think that if they lose that game, it's going to be really difficult for them to keep up with San Diego and Ontario and possibly even Solace And let's not forget that Turlock is in the mix with that too. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, I wouldn't even worry about San Diego or Ontario because I, I think you just want, I think your main goal is to just make the playoffs. And, and I think with Tacoma, if they lose this game, they're not out of it, but they're going to have a lot of work to do. Let like, me ask they have to hurdle over Mesquite and Solace, right, and right. and Burlock. So, um, yeah, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be devastating to Tacoma if they lose this game. 
Well, let me ask you this, okay? And it kind of goes, I'm really, I'm really, really liking this transitioning thing, so I'm going to do it again. Um, so earlier I asked you, I said, do, do you think that Nick Pereira needs to focus more on playing? Because that's what I thought he needed to do. So if Tacoma does not make the playoffs, and mind you, they lost to San Diego in the playoffs last year. Now you're looking at two seasons that they don't make the playoffs. At that point, do does the stars organization look at this and say, maybe we need to reevaluate things? I don't think so. I, I think you're going to see Nick Pereira being this coach of the stars for a while. Um, do I see him playing? That's a different story. I, I think I think you're going to see Pereira turn more to a coach than a player. Yeah. Um, I think the same thing could be said for Leo Gibson as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. So I, I could see both of these players kind of making the transition over to coaching if their respective teams don't make the playoffs. Well, and I think, you know, it, it, it really does go back to the point that I made earlier where I said, it's not easy being a player coach. I mean, I asked, I asked Marcelo Fontana a couple of years ago, I said, you were a player coach when you were the coach of the Omaha Vipers. What was it like? And he said, it's a really difficult job because you have to see what's going around on around you, but you also have to produce as a player. And I think that's really difficult for players to do because it's kind of like a balancing act where 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 do you focus your attention? Because in Nick Pereira's case and in Leo Gibson's case for that matter, if his team is down on the scoreboard, then he needs to become more of a player because you know, both of those guys are probably the most potent offensive players on their team. So if they're down in a game, that puts the pressure on them to become more of a player instead of a coach. Right. Whereas, whereas if you're ahead, then you can kind of still be a player, but look what's going on around you. That's why, you know, I, I never really understood the player-coach thing, um, you know, because I'm a coach. You, you've coached before. You know that it's not an easy job to do. So to add on to that, that you're a player coach, that's a huge responsibility. So I do agree with you. If if both Kansas City and Tacoma do not make the playoffs, I think you'll see Nick Pereira and Leo Gibson, respectively, uh, you know, kind of hang up their cleats and, you know, focus more on the coaching aspect of it. And what's hard for Tacoma, too, if you really think about it, is that 
You don't know how long Danny Waltman's going to play. That's the other part of it, is Danny Waltman can still play, but he's 38 years old. So you don't know how long you have with him. And that makes a world of difference for the stars. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, so since we're talking about Tacoma, um, they're actually playing the next night after their game against Mesquite. They're going right down the road to face Dallas in Dallas. <sighs> I hate to sound like a broken record, but I gotta do it. Uh, it really depends what kind of version of Dallas that we get. You know, Dallas has proven that they can play really well at home, but they can also make some really silly mistakes. So it really, again, it, it, it becomes a case of what Dallas team are you going to get? I, I think that we've, we've seen that Tacoma struggles when they have to play back-to-back back games. You know, I think we've seen the fact that, you know, they've lost two games that they probably were not supposed to. And that being said, I'm, I'm looking at this Dallas team thinking, you know, if Freddie Mugin plays the way that he has been and he gets some support, I could easily, easily see Dallas winning this game. So I'm going to give the nod to... Tacoma, but again, I would not at all be surprised if Dallas pulls this one out. Well, one of us will be right. (laughs) Uh, um, I took Dallas. I mean, I just think playing the night before is going to be tough on Tacoma. And you said it. I mean, if, if Dallas plays the way that they did against Monterey, Facing a tired Tacoma team, they're they're gonna they're gonna win this game, and and that's. I mean, really, you saw them do the same thing against Kansas City, who played the night before. They went into Dallas, and Dallas beat them. So yeah, I I could easily see them winning this game. Yeah. So hey, you know, you know, I I have to point this out because it made me laugh. You were talking about that stray cat. I hear him in the background. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, how, how did that? How did that come about? Okay, so I'll give you the quick quick story. Um, came home last night. With Henry, yeah, and he he said something about a cat, and I go, I don't have a cat, and then I heard the meowing. Yeah, well, come to find out, the cat is in my basement. No, super, super sweet cat. Unfortunately, I am allergic to cats. Yeah, that makes a difference. Yeah, so I really don't know where the cat is right now. It sounds like it is fairly loud so it's somewhere in my house which is great um anyways we'll we'll make this quick um because i have to attend to the cat all right so we've got dallas tacoma we did monterey versus st louis 
Oh, jeez. Uh, you know, I don't even think this is going to be close. Uh, I got to say Monterey. I, if you would ask me if I thought St. Louis was going to keep up with the Flash, no, I don't. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, it'll be a good game to watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see which, like if Monterey comes out and blows out the ambush like they did against Dallas, or yeah. or do we see the Monterey team that took Dallas to overtime? No, yeah, I, I agree. That's a really good point, is that, you know, you're looking at a team who... Again, St. Louis is taking the steps in the right direction that they need to take, but do they have enough power and enough defensive quality to keep up with a team like the Monterey Flash? No, absolutely not. Yeah, so I I think, yeah, you and I agree completely Monterey is going to win this one. Uh, So... Yeah, I mean, I have one more question for you, um, and then I'm going to let you attend to the kitty cat. Uh, so, in the beginning of the broadcast, I said to you, I want to know two things. I want to know your biggest disappointment so far this season, and I want to know who you're most impressed with. Well, we haven't even gone over the other games yet. Oh, there's, we st- oh, no, there's, there's still uh, more games. Uh, including, including my game of the week. Um, I'm San sorry. Diego, I, I thought we were done. I apologize. Oh, oh no. No, we've got two more. <laughs> so I, this, wow, this, I'm sorry. That, that's all right. Um, so this, this is my game of the week. Uh, and it's a big one. I mean, it's San Diego versus Ontario. You know, here's the thing. I, I think that... This is another one that's really difficult for me, right? Because you're looking at two teams that on paper are really good, but they have blemishes to their game, right? So both of them struggled defensively, obviously. But in the first game, you saw San Diego take care of Ontario. Ontario fairly easily. I don't think that's going to be the this time. I think Ontario could win this game. I actually, you know what? I'm going to take Ontario. Okay. Well, we are going to disagree, and one of us will be right once again. Um, I'm taking San Diego. I mean, San Diego's won six in a row. So, I think... A lot of these games, it's going to boil down to who has more momentum going into the game. Yeah, but, think, but you know what? San Diego has a lot going for them right now. Now, granted, their defense isn't really up to snuff. But at and the same time, I, I don't see – I mean, Ontario just gave up eight goals to Solace as well. So, okay, yes, but you're also playing against – a guy that has in three games, and you're looking at a defense that, quite frankly, is relatively unimpressive. I mean, yes, okay, they gave up 
it goes to Solace yesterday, but if you look at the other games, they really started to get their act together these two games. Now, and if you really think about it, I, I think going into that game against San Diego, they're really going to look at that game against Solace de Sonora and say, look, we messed up defensively. We gave up four goals when we had uh, when we should have won that game. We can't let that happen against San Diego, otherwise we're screwed. Yeah, um, but I, I, I just I, I think this game could go either way. I mean, you know that, I know that. Um, it's another Boris Pardo versus Chris Toth matchup. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. For well, us, but I, I just think right now San Diego's got more going for it, um, and especially but, them clawing back to beat Solace um, yesterday. Well, I will say this: I mean, the if if Boris Pardo plays the way he did against. Now, excuse me, if Chris Toll plays the way he did against Soleil last night, San Diego runs away with this game. Now, that being said, I don't think you're going to see that version of Chris Toll again. I think every keeper has their off days, and that was just what happened for Chris yesterday. Um, it's going to be a great game, obviously. Yeah, I just think Ontario is going to come in there with a chip on their shoulder because they had every opportunity to be over 500 last night and they quite frankly blew it. So, you know, and you're dealing with a guy that has 14 goals in three games. So, I mean... To Pardo versus Chris Toth. And, I mean... yeah. This previous game, Pardo looked pretty good, um, so I, I'm going to give the edge to San Diego. Did you did you watch the Ontario game? Um, no, I did not. Okay, well, one of the things that I wanted to bring up for people that saw this game is that I think every every arena needs to go to this system that Ontario has where they have goal lights synchronized with the time uh, the what do you call it? The timer because there was a play in this game yesterday where there was a goal that was called a no goal right at the buzzer and it was clear that it was not over the line but Light went on, so but I think that's something that the league really needs to look into and have every team adapt to because it it's I think you'll see less of a problem with goal no goal type of thing and I don't know it's just something that I thought of as we were talking about the game. Well, I absolutely I agree with you. I think. And I said this last, uh, I've, I've said this before. I think instant replay should be 
allowed in games. Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay. So let me ask you this. I, I think I know the answer, but I don't. One team in this league that doesn't have a scoreboard on their broadcast, or no, in the arena. Oh, yeah, everyone has a, a scoreboard. Right, so every team has a video of the game on their scoreboard. Um, no. Turlock does not. Oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot about yeah, Turlock. Turlock. I don't think Turlock does. Um, yeah. Yeah, every other, every other team does have some sort of, like... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to be really honest. If you have the capability to look up at a scoreboard and, and make a call, you should be able to do that. To me, there is nothing wrong with using instant replay to figure out a call. And the fact that the league does not want these referees looking at the scoreboard to make a call is absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah, there there has to be some some way to do this. Um, there was actually a goal that I thought went in, but it was it was a tough angle for me. So I, I don't know. It was yesterday. I believe you. Oh, okay. It was, you it was were... yesterday in the Baltimore Utica game where um, it was Anua Obasi deked one of the Baltimore players and went top shelf, top left corner. I thought it went in. Um, replay kind of showed it was a tough a tough one to, to decipher, but it would have been nice for the referees to go back and say, okay, the next time out, we're going to look at it and see what happened. Right, and it's kind of funny because I thought you were referring to when Baltimore played against Utica and they called it a no-goal. I clearly thought it was a goal, but they said no-goal and they didn't review it or anything because they can't. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's something that needs to address. I think it's something that, you know, you're seeing it more... Well, you see it in all the major sports now, so... Why not adapt it, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, All right, last, okay. last game. Last game is Monday night, uh, Monterey versus Turlock in Monterey. Uh, you know, I love Turlock, I really do, but I don't see this going Turlock's way. No. I, I completely agree with you. And this is like the first... I won't say real test for Monterey, but I mean it's it's better competition than Dallas, Mesquite, and and Solace. No offense to any of those teams, but I I think we're gonna see a lot coming from this: a possible playoff contender versus a flash team that has done really really well or has barely scraped by. Well, and I mean, here's the thing, you know, you talk about this being a test, and you're right, but it's going to be more of a test 
when they played the Ontario with the San Diegans and absolutely, you're you're right. But I mean, Turlock has surprised us all, and we're gonna get well, into yeah, that obviously. Um, you know, it it's interesting because if they lose this game, then you're like, well, maybe Monterey isn't that impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be a good barometer to where Monterey is currently. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, on the flip side of that, if you think about it, too, think about it this way, right? Um, I look at it this way. I look at it as if Turlock is able to win this game, Turlock is for real. I don't care what anybody says. If you can go to Monterey and, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you said, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monterey is going to win. Then I really, really start to believe the hype of the Turtle Cal Express. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that will help their, their playoff resume. I mean, geez, you've beaten San Diego and Monterey on the road. That's huge. Yeah, but I mean, on the flip side of that, it's not like college football where a committee makes a decision whether or not you make the playoffs. Unfortunately, if you're Turlock, if the numbers don't, if if the numbers don't speak to you being a good enough team to make the playoffs, you're not going to make the playoffs. That's just the way it is. Right. I, I guess what I what I'm saying is you can go into 2020 and say, look, we went into San Diego, we beat the Sockers, and then a month and a half later we went to Monterey and beat an undefeated oh, yeah. Flash team. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree with you. And in a way, I feel bad for Sherlock because if they win that game and then they end up not making the playoffs. I feel bad for them because that's a pretty damn good resume, even if you don't make the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, all right, a few more things, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, so what I'm thinking is somebody brought it up on MASL off the wall that they think these episodes should be shorter. And... You know, I, I, I thought a lot about this because statistically we don't do short episodes at all. Like, that's just not what we do. But Yeah, this I, is not a short episode. <laughs> I, did, I just don't think that having a short episode would give us the amount of time that we need to cover everything that we do. Um. From what I've read and from what I've talked to, people like the way it is, but I I just wanted to get your opinion going into the new year because obviously we have a long way to go with this. Hopefully yeah. we started something that'll last for many years, but Yeah. It's you know, it with with the way our schedules are, um it it's tough. To, I mean, yeah, we could break this up into two different episodes, maybe do like analysis of last week's games and then 
picks for this week's games, but with with the way our schedules are set up, and especially yeah. over the holidays, it's it's tough. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I work every day, and it, it's it's really tough for me to to get. It's not tough for me to get a day or a night off to do this. Um, but I mean, I've got my broadcast. I've got like I said, work, I'll have the kids sometimes. So it's, it's tough with right. the schedule. And I mean, but I mean, if, if we want to do two episodes a week, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's just trying to figure out to me, a I way mean, to do it. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know if I have the schedule to do two days a week. I mean, most nights I can't, but now that my, High school is starting to get into league play where we're actually playing conference games instead of tournaments. I mean, we have, I travel at least three days a week. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, we, we're doing what we can and we want to get everything covered. Yeah. So maybe, maybe what we could do is like, when we post it on Facebook, we could put like timestamps. So if you want to hear just what our picks would be, oh, you just fast forward to this point. Or if you want to hear our analysis of last week's games, go to this point. Or, so you, know, I, or you know what I could do. And this is something I could do. We could do part of it. Well, what I could do is we could do like an hour stop and then we could re- we could do the next part and I'll just post it like the next day or something. I'm fine with that. So like you and I still do it all at once, but we just stop momentarily and come back. Yeah, we can try that. We'll try that. Um, we'll try it next week. Yeah, why don't we do that? And what I'm going to do is instead of going everywhere, over everything for fantasy MASL. Do you just want to post it to the group? Yeah, yeah. I'll just post. I'll post the teams, um, on the on the page. Well, so I'll make my post, and then you can put yours in the comments. Or if you want to wait for me to give you my picks, that's fine too. I don't care either way. Yeah, just give me your just give me your picks, and uh, I'll post them. And we'll go from there. So we're going from Tuesday to Monday. Tuesday to Monday. Okay, good. Um, all right. Last question because I I brought this up in the beginning of the broadcast, and I said since this is our last broadcast of the year, I want to know two things: who is your biggest disappointment uh, so far this 2019, and who is your most impressive team. And second part of that is who do you think is going to turn it around and who do you think may go down? Okay. So do you want East and West or all together? All together. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, I mean, I think, I think for most surprising team, it, it's got to be Turlock. I mean, who would have thought that Turlock would go into this season 
well, it, as the year turns uh, to 2020, the team is three and three. There, there's no one that thought this team would be three and three going into 2020. No, I, you know, in in their first six games, I thought they would probably be at best one and five, something like that. Exactly. So I think the biggest surprise in the league is Turlock. Okay. So biggest, we... biggest disappointment. I mean. Yeah, you forgot one. You forgot one. Who's your most impressive team? Oh, most impressive? Well, I think most impressive right now is, well, I mean, that's also a tough one. I mean, any of the playoff caliber teams, I think most impressive, I'm going to say Florida, just based on the fact that they have 12 new players. And, and nice. going into the season, we thought that we would see the Tropics team gel more towards the end of the season, but oh. we're starting to see them gel now. And uh, I mean, I, with a with a five and one record going into this week's games, I, I mean, they could easily be six and one at the top of the East, um, or seven and one. No, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And if you would have told me that they would demolish that they did. Granted, Baltimore wasn't in their finest form, but still, you're looking at 7-2 against a team that won three championships in a row with the exception of last season. So... Yeah, and, and the fact that you're 2-1 and one against playoff teams from the year before in Milwaukee and Baltimore. I mean... That's nothing to to be upset about. I mean, that's great. You're you're two and one against those teams. So I think I think most impressive right now is Florida. I mean, you could you could put Harrisburg in that category as well, but at the same time, they've only beaten Rochester. So it's it's tough to put them in that category. Biggest disappointment. Okay. Biggest disappointment. I mean. I've got to say Tacoma right now, um, especially I, especially last week. I mean, going in and and losing to St. Louis by a goal and then going into Kansas City the next night and just getting blown out. Um, no, I think I think Tacoma would be in that category. You could also make an argument for Baltimore. Yeah, no, um, I, I mean. But, I mean, they're kind of turning it around like we all thought. But at the same time, Baltimore at 500 right now is something that's, like, very, very surprising. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I would quite consider Baltimore to be disappointing. Because if you think about it, Baltimore kind of went through this last year. Just not to the magnitude that they went through it this year. And we all know what happened. So Yeah, exactly. So I mean I mean in in watching Baltimore as much as I have, like I know what they're capable of and a five hundred record is not Yeah. Not what they are. 
No, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think it is not unheard of. Um, right. Alright, so my biggest surprise, completely agree with you, Turlock Kelly Express. You know, they beaten San Diego to you know I is it's definitely nothing to just say, well, it's just another game. No, that's that's huge. Um, you know, and the two games that they lost, well, three games, excuse me. All three games, realistically, they could have won. So really, you're looking at a team as far-fetched as this sounds, they could be 6-0 and right now. Because if you think about it, I believe two of those games, they lost in overtime. I might be wrong about that. I know they lost in overtime to uh, Tacoma. I forgot about the other two. No, they didn't lose in overtime to San Diego. No, San Diego won, um, and yeah, they won by two. Yeah, but they beat Kansas. Yeah, Kansas City won, or no, Turlock won that game against Kansas City, and then Tacoma won in overtime. Then San Diego won. Yeah, but they have three losses though. Where'd the other loss come from? Well, they have a loss against. Uh, yeah, a loss against Ontario, San Diego, and Tacoma. Yeah, there we go. Okay, they lost. Yeah, but I mean, even still, they were in all those games that they played. And, you know, here's the thing about it. I, I think we've said this. We agree with each other. I don't think this is a playoff team, but I think, you know, if you're the, the head coach of the Turlock Kelly Express, and you're the ownership group of this team. You you got to be impressed by what they're doing, and I think oh, absolutely. And I think it's something that you build upon. And you know, as crazy as it sounds, I would not be surprised to see Turlock in the playoffs in the next. I- yeah, especially if, if if this is the start of something great. Yeah, the, the sky's the limit for Turlock Cal. Um, well, I mean, we'll see what happens next year and the year after, but them being in the playoff picture now, I mean, years in years past, they, they were the laughing stock of the league. Oh yeah. But they've earned, they've earned my respect now. So, um, my biggest, the team that I'm both right now is actually Hey guys, it's Jeremy from On the Volley with Matt and Jeremy. Um, unfortunately, uh, the broadcast gets cut off after two hours, and the first part um, was basically cut off because Matt's phone got glitched. So it cut off after like 13 minutes, and then second part, we went over two hours. So I just wanted to give you... The last part of what I was trying to say in my last portion of the segment there. Um, so my surprise team going into this season so far this year, obviously, 
Turtle, like you look at their three losses, they lost to Tacoma, San Diego, and for the life of me, I can't remember what other team, but I know they have three losses. And, you know, realistically, they could have won two of those games, if not all three. So you're looking at a team that really, um, they could be 6-0. and And I mean, I know that sounds far-fetched, but it, it is well within the realm of possibilities for Turlock. Um, you know, they're definitely, I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be where they are right now. Um, if you think about it, I think I said in, before the broadcast got cut off, I thought they were going to be one in six, or I'm sorry, one in five, going into the first six games, and here they sit at three and three, so for, for them, I think that's a huge win. Um, you know, we, you look at this team, and I think that if they can go into Monterey and beat Monterey at Monterey's home, that's a statement win for Turlock. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But I think you look at it and you say, okay, well... Even if we don't make the playoff, this is something to build upon. And that's something I think they will do. I really think that, uh, to, uh, excuse me, Turlock will have a decent season this year. Matt said he thought that wins six to seven games. I, I'm at about that level as well. I think, though win almost 10 games, but not quite 10 games. So for them, I, I think that's my biggest surprise is Turlock, and I think they'll build on this. And like I said in my other segment before we got cut off, I think, you know, it goes back to if they can build on this year and keep building and building, I think they'll be a playoff team in the next couple of years, which seems outrageous, but I mean, you're looking at a team that's by far exceeded expectations going into this season. Um, my biggest, uh, my most impressive team going into the end of 2019 is Utica. I mean, I think Utica is five and two. In theory, they could be seven and one or seven and zero. Oh. Both of their losses came to Baltimore, ironically. Um, and both of those losses were one goal games, and I think the talent they that they have in guys like Segura, who have surprised everybody. I think um, I don't think anybody expected to have Segura be as productive as he's been going into this season with uh, Utica. But, you know, he had six goals last year all season. He's already surpassed that in seven games. Uh, you got guys like Bo Yellenbach. You got a goalkeeper in Copeland who is absolutely ridiculous. You got guys like Schindler and Toby that can play 
defense. You got Ricardo Diegas. The list goes on and on. I mean, I don't know how anybody could not be impressed with this Utica team. And really, they're probably the only team in the entire MASL right now that looks like they're in mid-season form. I don't think any other team looks like they're in mid-season form. You have Florida, who, you know, they're 5-1, and one, but they just lost to Milwaukee, and they very well could lose their next two games. I could easily see that happening. So then you look at them, and they go to 5-3, and three, whereas Utica's schedule is pretty easy going into the rest of the season. They do play Milwaukee um, the last game of the season, ironically. Um, you got teams like Milwaukee who, you know, they lost one as well. Uh, and that one was to Florida, ironically. And they could have won that game, but they're just not impressive defensively. Um, you know, they, they've they given up a lot of goals. They've found a way to win, but they don't have that defensive prowess that you saw all of last season. So I, I don't think I put them as the most impressive team of the start of 2020. Um, over in the West, you could say Monterey, but Monterey is undefeated, but it goes back to who have you played. And so far, they've played relatively soft teams. I'll be more impressed with Monterey when they're able to beat the San Diego's and the Ontario's, but you've beaten Dallas. You've beaten teams that you're supposed to beat. And so for right now, I don't think I would put them as the most impressive team in the league, even though they're undefeated. Now, if they can go to San Diego and beat... San Diego, where they can go to Ontario and beat Ontario with time doing so well over there. Uh, you know, then I'll be relatively impressed with Monterey. I will say I think, you know, this Monterey has, team has the potential to be just as good, if not better, than they were last season. And that says a lot, considering that they don't have King Tai or Uzi on their team. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think Monterey has the potential to be a championship-caliber team, but I'm not going to say they're there yet because, again, who have you beaten? And the answer to that question right now is you've beaten teams that quite frankly, you're supposed to beat. So I can't put them at the top of the list, but I think Utica belongs at the top of that list. I think if they continue the way that they're playing, I think teams like Milwaukee should be worried. I think teams like Florida should be worried because Utica is really, really good. And I would not be at all surprised if they were competing for a championship at the end of the season. So, 
Yeah, I would say Utica is my most impressive team of the 2019 season going into 2020 so far. Now, my biggest disappointment, this is hard, because you look at Tacoma, they're two and five, and they're not a two and five team. And I know what people are thinking, well, why didn't you choose Rochester? Rochester's 0 and six, they've given up a ton of goals, but they're an expansion team. I think we all knew going into this that it was going to be a tough road, and it's proven to be that way. I mean, I I think you're going to see this throughout the course of the year. I don't think, you know, Rochester's going to win very many games. I think they're going to give up a lot of goals throughout the course of the season. I just think that that's the way it's going to be in Rochester this season. I will say this. I, I think Rochester is going to get better as the season goes on. I don't think it's going to translate to wins, but I think they're going to get better to the point that, you know, they're not getting blown out every single game. They're not giving up six, seven, eight plus goals every game. And if they can do that, then I consider that a win. So I can't put them in my biggest disappointment because I kind of thought this going into the season. Uh, as far as Tacoma goes, I mean, look, they've lost to Ontario. They've gotten the win in Turlock. They lost to St. Louis in Kansas City. And that's that to me was a really big disappointment. I expected them to win both of those games, as did Matt, and they lost both of those games. And, you know, I I think there's time for them to turn their season around, and I think they will. But I will say this, if they don't do something relatively quickly, they could be in trouble. Because then you're looking at, at teams like San Diego, Ontario, even some place for that matter, not to mention Monterey. And so if they go 0-2 in this next week, I think that's when Tacoma fans need to start hitting that panic button. And I think, honestly, I look at this as a way to either turn your season around or basically call it a day. And I know that sounds weird because, you know, they're two and five, but if you go to two and seven against teams like San Diego, Monterey, Solace, Ontario, you know, it's going to be really hard to compete for that four spot in the playoffs. Um. I also have to say, I thought that St. Louis was really disappointing. Yeah, they've won their last two games, but I, I, I'm still not convinced that they played a complete game of soccer yet this season. I mean, yes, they played Milwaukee. They played well against Kansas City. You know, they played well, obviously, in their two wins, but you look at those wins and 
they weren't convincing wins. And don't get me wrong, I don't think any of the games that the Embers win this season are going to be quote-unquote convincing games. And, and quite frankly, you don't really need them to be convincing games. But I look at it this way. I look at it as, you know, in order to win games in this league, you've heard me say it time and time again with Matt. I said, St. Louis has to prove to me that they can play four quarters of soccer. And quite frankly, they they just haven't done that. And for that reason, they are right there on the list of most disappointing teams so far in 2019 going into 20. And, you know, that's a shame for me to say because I love Mark Linton, I love Everton, I love Jamie Swatter. I love all those guys, but the problem becomes that if you don't finish off your games and you don't finish four quarters of indoor soccer, you're just not going to be successful. And that's quite frankly the bottom line. And St. Louis has to prove to me that they're able to finish games. And people are going to say, well, it's not how you play, it's if you win. Yeah, that's true, but at some point you have to show a run of form that makes me believe that you are a complete soccer team. And yes, they won two in a row. They've won against Tacoma. They've won against Kansas City, but they weren't complete games. And for that reason, you know, I I have to put St. Louis on that list of disappointing teams so far this season. And, you know, granted, it's not the same ambush team that we saw two years ago. It's steadily improving year after year, but there's still a lot of work to do. So that's it for me, guys. I'm sorry it got cut off again. I'm going to try to put all the segments together so that you don't have to listen to three different parts. Have a great new year, guys. Thanks a lot. See you next year.